You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Woo! What do you got there, Rooney? Very important tool in my business, as you know, Andrew. This is when I develop plant. Oh, oh, look at you got one too. This holds my forehead up when I'm sleeping. <laughs> is yours a triangle like mine? Uh, is there any other way to not have it roll off your counter? Nice. See? What else do you want to show off your show and tell desk there today, Chris? Actually, you do use that quite a bit. Don't oh, you? Yeah. I do too. I use it all the time. And it's as, uh, I mean, obviously for measuring plans, but you're Mr. New Construction Boy. Yeah. You do, uh, you got to use these all the time. Yes. It's uh, that and just like redesigning. You know, sometimes we redesign plans, move walls. Um, and it, it helps to have a ruler just to make it look somewhat uh, planned. But what it's you guys a think? cool ruler. It's not like, Nick, you don't have a cool ruler like this. No cool ruler. What do you think of the, the, the got meme some digital app that does it? Yeah, true. The meme of the week. What do you guys think? I like it. Hey, I like it. hey, that's my listing. Knock it off. <laughs> that's good. That's good uh, marketing. Yeah. Hey, when they tell you you can't have the uh, any kind of uh, grill inside the house or hot plate, you know, like I, I laugh because go back to dorm days at the colleges. Or you can't even now they don't even let you have like toasters or anything or hot plates or anything in the dorms. Yeah. I think it's uh interesting. I wonder would you ever I mean just try that for a marketing thing on a house? I bet you I, if you did, seriously, like you started with that photo and you would get probably a lot of views social media wise to be able to kind of hey, lovely outdoor kitchen and then and then or bring it into the, like, if you really had a nice outdoor kitchen, you know, that you'd bring that picture in right after it. I think it would work. I, uh, Just get I your seller to do it. Want your lakefront listings first. I'm thinking about it. It's a good idea. I think I'm going to, I think I'll do that. No, you won't. <laughs> I might. So, uh, all right, man. what's happened in the market? What is it like in your end of the earth? Um, you know, it's definitely slowed down a little bit. You know, we have uh, a fall market, you know, kind of your typical, I don't want to say the word slow because it's not slow, but it's, no. things are moving, things are selling. Um, you know, we're, it's funny how we're getting multiple offers still on some items and then other items, which yeah. I thought would go multiple offers are sitting on the market for two weeks. So That's what it's, I've seen. yeah, it's been really weird. It's like, uh, um, but, you know, we'll find out today. I've got another couple um, I'm bringing on for the weekend here um, that will go live here today. So we'll uh, we'll see um, if that continues to carry that trend or, you know, because it's interesting because people, you know, even like younger people I've been hanging around with, you know, watching football games or whatever and talking about like housing and, and what's going on in housing or, you know, can we still afford a house? Can we, you know, what what is going on? And what's interesting to me is that there's um, uh, everybody's interested in it and everybody wants to blame housing for this. Like when is housing going to burst? And like I keep telling everybody, I go, man, I go, that cheeseburger's $15 at the restaurant now. They used to be $8. Everything's going up, you guys. It's not just housing. 
And housing is only going up at a ratio that's barely um, in line with, if we had a 0% inflation, which never really happens, it's either up or down, but even if we had zero, um, we're still in in an inflation rate with housing where it's still, you know, your jobs are going up at the same rate. Everything else around you is going up at the same rate. So it's still balanced. And so even though it feels weird because it's been, um, in a lot of people's opinions, healthy for so long, they're just assuming that now it has to get sick. And that that may not be the case for quite a few years, at least until they start adjusting interest rates. And then once interest rates start adjusting, I think you're going to have a what I call an honest market where people are buying houses they truly can afford based on, you know, market rate uh, interest rates versus these teasers. Yeah, and I think the other thing that's happened, I mean, all the markets, um, it's interesting because I think the the northern market is mirroring the southern market. But on the east side, um, it was just last week, we lost out on two deals where we we're 40 and 55,000 over full price and lost out, you know, and then, yeah, but both turnkey houses, um, I would say, I wouldn't say aggressively priced, but I would say very fairly priced, but very turnkey and nice. And that's what excites the people. And so you have to have houses, I mean, set up really good. You don't want to leave anything undone. I was just at a house yesterday that we were thinking about listing uh, for this weekend. And I'm kind of like, you know, gosh, I think you got to do this, this, and this. I mean, you did so much stuff and it, it looks great. But if you leave out this, this, and this, it's probably going to just take the effect away that you just tried to create. So it's like, we got to do it. And I mean, it's even as little as an outlet by the front door or, you know, a stump that needs to be able to go or that final mulch that you need to be able to put in those little final touches, get people to get excited and look over other things versus start adding them up. Oh, it needs mulch. It needs a stump removed. It needs an outlet cover. You know, when they start doing that, you're in trouble. Yeah. And then, you know, you get to that point too, where I've even uh, been approaching some of my investors that are holding rental properties. And I said, Hey guys, um, equities are back. Might be a nice opportunity to diversify your portfolio a little bit, maybe free up and sell a few of these properties, take advantage of the great equity positions they have and, and get you into some other, uh, you know, arenas to invest. And so I've had a couple of my investors come back to me and say, you know what, let's lose this one, this one, and this one. And what we're doing is we're going in there and I'm, and I just, what you, I'll mirror exactly what you just said, get them painted. I want new flooring. I want the cabinets up here, the kitchens updated, bathrooms updated slightly. I mean, you don't have to remodel them, but you need to definitely scrape the crud off the cabinets and repaint them if you can, you know what I mean? And, and uh, so you spend, you know, eight, 10, 15,000 and that house now fetches you 20 or 30,000 more. And, and that at the end of the day is, is what a lot of the, the people in that arena are good at anyway and they have the resources to paint the stuff and touch it up they don't want to because historically that doesn't make them money right because yeah. you put that new stuff in there and you you've all heard the term slumlord and slumlords make money because they don't fix anything and they still have the same revenue coming in the door because it's it's like a running machine if the machine's running why would you put gas in it or put oil in it just keep it running until basically the thing breaks and in some cases um in some markets it never breaks it just keeps going and going and then you see these people on the news, you know, oh, slumlord, whatever. But anyway, rental properties, a lot of times you put new things in there and they get wrecked. So investors generally don't do that. But anyway, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of uh, those uh, guys and gals that are in that arena 
um, starting to loosen up on some of their inventory too. That's exactly why I got out of the uh, investment properties. I just, I was too, like what you just said, I was too good. I was too good um, from a standpoint of fixing yeah. stuff and, and yeah. making it look good and want my properties to look good. And in reality, they just kept getting wrecked. And so I just kept chasing, chasing money and losing rent. And it just was like, it's just not worth it. Oh. You got you to just do it. I mean, you, obviously, you got to keep it in, in good repair. But if there's a stain on the carpet, you know what? There's a stain on the carpet. We don't have to put in all new carpet. Right. Well, I think that's the biggest problem is that with some of us, we're like, well, I would take care of it. Why wouldn't somebody else? And I've, I've sat at rental properties where I've watched somebody sit there with a Coca-Cola watching the football game, and they spill the Coca-Cola over on the carpet. And they go, oops. They don't even clean it up. I mean, right. and also now there's a sugar spot there that the dog licks, and then, you know, you walk on it. Now it's a permanent stain in the carpet, and you can't get that stuff out of there. I mean, it just it's a whole different mentality. Or, you know, yeah, my dad, I used to laugh. He used to ask everybody point blank, are you a mechanic? Do you work in your garage? Because he had one guy years ago that was a young kid, mechanic. Guy wouldn't take his boots off. He'd go out in the garage, work on his truck, and then come in the house and drag the, the, the oil um, all over the floor. And this kid was so confused why he didn't get his security deposit back. My dad's like, I, I got $1,100 of your money. I've got $4,000 worth of flooring to fix. Totally. You wonder why rent goes up, guys. You know, that's the other thing is rental goes, rent rents keep going up because people don't take care of the stuff they're in. And this, there is, this, there's not a finite amount of repairs and money and whatever else. Somebody in rentals will have to pay for it. Just like, I feel bad because these forbearances are, all coming, um, you know, um, out of that realm now and the rentals are going to start collecting rent again. They're going to clean them up. They're going to raise the rents and there's going to be a lot of people screaming and crying on TV. I think. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of them that deserve exactly what they're going to get. They've been stiffing landlords this whole COVID time where they've had money and they think they're going to be able to just keep getting it free and the, the times are going to change. And I'm putting every... You know, Chris, there's people in this world, and I, I have said this before, when you go and you go to the grocery store and you get all the way home and you go, oh, my gosh, I forgot there was a case of pop on the bottom of the cart. I didn't pay for it. Um, do, you, do you keep it and stay at home or do you go back to the store and tell them that you didn't pay for it? Yeah. Two types of people in the world. It's that simple. That'll tell you your character right there. When you're, when you're at the grocery store, do you put the cart back in the cart rack or do you leave it next to you, the car next to you so it can get scratched? I just let my kids drink the pop and then I don't feel as guilty. Yeah. Well. <laughs>
have uh, borrowed two hundred thousand because that's over there, and then you'd still have the two hundred thousand dollar equity. So that's just moving from one place to another. Uh, a lot of people do this, Andy. Um, they start doing it. I've had boy, um, I, I, it's at least a handful of people that have had rental properties here in Minnesota. They do a ten thirty one exchange into Florida. And then all of a sudden their lives change and they end up going down and moving into that property. And you gotta talk to your accountant, tax accountant, but that's a, a way in which to be able to kind of uh, move around uh, the whole uh, tax issues later on. It's a tool for sure. That's the way I look at it. It's an accounting tool. Um, again, I, 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 you need to use, there, there are trained professionals and, and there's no, um, close enough, it, you're either correct and you filed it correctly or you made a mistake and you're going to owe taxes. There's no in between. There's zero gray area with 1031s. That's why, you know, I see 99.9% .9 of my clients that do 1031s um, actually hire an exchange professional that knows what they're doing to make sure that the asset is shifted properly. It checks all the boxes and it meets the timelines so that you're not all of a sudden owing, uh, you know, taxes at the end of that year. Um yeah, a big thing is, and that's a great point, is that you can't touch the money. You can't touch the money. The money can't come to you. And if it comes to you, then it becomes a taxable event. And so they use what's called a QI, a qualified intermediary that holds on to the money and shifts it based on those uh, time timelines that Andy's talking about. A couple more points, because I've been researching this a lot recently. You can't do it for foreign property but you can do it for almost every territory of the United States of America besides Puerto Rico. So like the Guams and those little ones, you can do 1031 exchange, but not Puerto Rico and no other country. I wonder why they don't have Puerto Rico in that fun club. Yeah. Don't they have some different taxes? Tax. Puerto Rico's got different tax. Yeah, the Act 20 and Act 22, where you can, a lot of people are trying to do it now, where you only pay like, 5%. You don't pay to the federal. You pay some Puerto Rico taxes. And a lot of people, if you live there six months out of the year, six months in one day, a lot of people are starting to do that now. Hmm. Andy, 5%. Let's go. Bye-bye. Uh, <laughs> uh, option agreement. You want to do that one or should I start? I'm sorry. What is it? Option agreement. Oh, an option like on a piece of land? Yep. Oh, yeah. So this is more of a developer term, not really a consumer term, but an option is where you have the option to purchase. I suppose you could do it on a residential property or you could also do it on an apartment or whatever, yep. where you give somebody something of value in exchange for having the option to buy that property. I've seen options where the price fluctuates with inflation. I've seen the price where, so let's say they, a farmer for, is usually the case, um, they'll give them an option to purchase for the next 10 years. And let's say they give them $25,000 for that first right of refusal when that individual comes to sale. Well, that's a little crazy because then whenever and whatever that person wants to sell it for, you usually try to deem a, a, a current reasonable value. So let's say that is a million dollars for that farm. And then there's an accelerator that can increase up to 3% a year or whatever it is on that option. So then when they decide to sell within the terms of that contract, we've already rewarded them and forwarded them some money you can then perform on that contract and it, it's it's yours. And a lot of the, I see a lot of the national builders doing this with farmers where they'll walk in and hand them 
you know, $25,000 and say, hey, we want the right to buy your property over the next 10 years. Here's a 300 page contract. Just review quickly and then we'll, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. we'll you per acre, not including right of ways, easements. Cause, uh, I tell anybody, if you're getting involved with a, with a national um, or as I call it, a Wall Street builder, um, you want immediately to have a real estate agent involved, if not even a real estate agent and a real estate attorney. Um, to be reading those contracts for you because I've seen people where at the end of the day, they thought they were going to get $10 million for their farm and all of a sudden they get 3.2 million because of all the clauses, um, you know, uh, exemptions. Um, we don't pay for ponds. We don't pay for right We don't pay for this. We don't pay for that. And then by the end of the day, they're only paying per lot, you know, 25,000 per pad. And the farmer's like, well, I just sold you hundred acres. It's not my fault. You only got 50 lots on there, you know, or whatever. Yeah, when it was going crazy in the early two early two thousands, options were a, a big thing for developers, and then everything went to hell in two thousand eight. And a lot of people had those options, and uh, a lot of people didn't go through with the options because it basically said, "Hey, here's I'll give you this much money." I had a, a for instance, it was it was more than a million dollars down for the option, you know. And you got to remember when you get option money as a, as a seller. It's not a deal yet. So you get to use that money and talk to your accountant because I can't give legal or tax advice, but you get to use that money tax free. You don't you don't pay taxes on something until it's actually a done deal. So it's basically, hey, they're giving you a million for a future purchase later on. Now, it once you buy that place, it you acts as earnest money. So that's more down payment money. But we had someone that was over um it, it was over a million, but it was less than five million on an option. And 2008 came, and prices dropped half. I mean, they were half, where it was let's just say a hundred thousand went down to fifty, and fifty would have been pretty lucky to do it. And then you're developing in the time where you know there's 12 months of inventory out there, so developer or developers weren't doing it. Um, and we had one where this they let their option go. You know, and those people got that money and then were able to resell it later on. But uh, yeah, these option agreements are are kind of interesting. And I also heard one with the residential and it was due to our, our tax laws where somebody wanted somebody's house, but they hadn't lived in there, lived and owned in it for two years. So it would have been a taxable event. They did an option, agreed upon a price, an option, but then closed. They had an option when it got to that two years. So it was kind of interesting because the, the seller wanted money to be able to go get something else, but they were going to stay in their place. And so this person allowed them to give them money up front and got around the whole tax part of it. Kind of interesting. Wow. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. Some of the stories we've heard over the years, too, have been pretty crazy with that stuff where, you know, exactly in that time frame, I, I could not believe the amounts of money being left on the table yeah. because the market wasn't there. The, the financing would dry up on these guys. And they'd walk away from those option deposits. And you're you're not kidding. I was I saw a couple of them up in Otsego where they were they were given a million dollars cash up front and and they walked away. And so these literally these farmers were basically gifted a million dollars. There was no payback, there was no nothing. And a lot of those developers disappeared and went out of business anyway. So nobody was even there to argue with them. Investment property. Investment property. I mean, that's any any property that you're uh, owning to uh, make money off of it. It could be, you know, a lot of popular ones now. And I don't know how great they are anymore. I know, Nick, you've talked about this with me. Um, 
in our conversations, but like an Airbnb where you can buy a property and then just rent it out uh, by the day or the night or the weekend or the, the week or the month or, you know, or longer. Uh, but also the obvious ones are just rental properties, apartment buildings. And, um, you know, you could even do it with land as well. No, exactly. Or, or personal residence is a great one too. I mean, mm-hmm. you even take your own individual, you know, property that you own, take care of it, make money on it. It's an investment. And then the best part about, you know, your own investment, if you live in it, is that, you know, every two years you can take the uh, the exemption and, you know, single, I think it's still 250, married's 500,000, tax-free and run and enjoy that money. Speaking of the Airbnb, um, I've been talking about, it's been better to stay in hotels recently because all the investors that got in the Airbnb game, the prices have gone through the roof. It used to be just rent a spare room out for, you know, super cheap. Um, Barcelona is becoming the first European city to ban Airbnb because like the locals can't afford living because the prices have skyrocketed through investors. And they're thinking it might be a domino effect through other cities in Europe because of how like expensive you know, uh, living has become and renting because a lot of renters are in Europe. So we're going to see what happens with that. But yeah, I mean, Airbnb has been kind of a crapshoot the last year well, you, or so. You remember, you remember, Nick, or maybe you don't, uh, but, you know, when COVID hit us all, a lot of those Airbnbs and, and a lot of that stuff was sitting vacant and people were canceling and they were, those people were struggling to even make their own mortgage payments on those investment properties. And so a lot of them went away, but now they've come back. And I agree with you. It seems like they're only luxury rentals, like the sleeps 20 and yep. And it's, it's 11, 1200 bucks a night. And people don't even care because they're putting three families in there and sharing the cost. So it's expensive, but yet they're in a beautiful, luxurious um, property for a week or whatever it is. Um, Now, when it comes to running prices up, that, that happens in every market and generally they choke themselves out because even like when, when the twin cities here, like Chris and I were just talking about uh, investors. So you get all these big wall street builders that came in and started buying up all the farmland. And then what ends up happening is that farmland gets so expensive to the point of where nobody, including them can afford to develop it and stay under the current market cap or the values where people can afford to buy. And so then the market cracks itself because then nobody starts performing. So then somebody has to say, well, instead of 200,000 an acre, I'll take 150. Well, then all of a sudden the market wakes up again. Same with investment properties. Same with, um, you know, back in like 2012, Chris and I were talking about this. There was like 28% of the property sold to Twin Cities were actually sold to investors. And a lot of them were, you know, Blackwater and all these big corporates, you know, companies that were coming in and buying um, big investments. And it, and it was like, oh, my gosh, it's destroying our market. Well, in that case, it actually sustained our market and kept our market from crashing again. And I actually, um, I'm actually surprised that a lot of people haven't recognized that yet. But um, things naturally cure themselves. It's kind of like catching a cold. You can fight the cold, take all the medicines, or you can let it naturally work its course. Second home. The second home. That's, uh, I mean, exactly what it states, I guess, is uh, you have the ability, to, I mean, well, obviously you can buy anything you want. But for financing purposes, I'll go that route. There's a little better um, financing ability for a second home versus a well a investment property, but less than what it would be for a primary residence. Mm-hmm. Now, there's some criteria that's involved with that, uh, unless it's uh, I used to have a second home and it was one mile away from my other house. 
And they're like, well, you can't, I mean, you can't do that. Well, if you have extenuating circumstances, so it was, it was a cabin on the lake and I lived a mile off of it. So a second home made sense because it was a, it was a lake home instead. And, and I think the other, and, and yeah, I'm not sure if you know this, but it's like 50 miles. It's got to be 50 miles away to be able to be um, considered a second home. And the reason people, again, do second homes is because of it's better financing wise than you would have to do an investment property. And usually, I mean, little on the interest rate, but it's usually on the down payment money. Because the, the bigger the risk, you're more likely to dump a rental property before you would dump your second home versus you dump your primary residence. And so they'll take the risk is when the risk is more, they want more money. When the risk is less, they start kind of reducing it. And, you know, like in a primary home, you can there's houses you can get in with zero down. I mean, the USDA or VA loans can, you can get zero down. Typically, second homes are 10 percent and then uh, investment properties are anywhere from 20 to 25 percent. Agreed. Andy's got seven second homes. It, uh, it's an accounting nightmare, but we pull it off. We, um, <laughs> home, homesteading a property. So you, you're basically talking about a tax uh, you know, option there where when you homestead a property, you live at your primary residence um, or a blood relative of yours lives in that property. You can homestead it, which generally means this was a way for government to get in your business again, um, trying to decide if it's an investment property um, or a primary, and they were trying to give you back in the day a break on having a primary residence, your taxes were less. Um, that has changed since then where they're they're virtually almost the same, um, homestead versus non-homesteaded. Um, we, we've seen that significantly change over the last few years. Um, but on the other hand, you know, um, that, that's all those things are up in the air when they, you know, and, and I'm not saying this politically, but when you run out of money, you gotta, you get, you gotta get resourceful. You know, and, and I look at even like tabs on trucks. I just paid my tabs on my trucks yesterday, almost $700 for one year for tabs. That's such crap again. I This is back to where I want Jesse Ventura back um, <laughs> just to get our tabs down again. My God, at least you could directly feel that, you know. Yeah. Well, I think that it's the whole thing of trying to, you know, play games. They're trying to get everyone to own a house. So they uh, hurt the investors by trying to raise their taxes a bunch and then the investors all they did was went and raised the rent so no one could go buy a house because they'd be stuck renting i mean it's yeah. just everything is just so silly it, everything everything has that you do something they're going to react it's like the airbnbs you know i think that started out as really renting out one of your bedrooms i have an extra room hey you can stay here tonight kind of thing and then it turned into you know the mansions that, that you're renting and, well, and I think, they got expensive. Like, yeah. And isn't it like the homesteading shield is only up to like 460,000 or something like that anyway. So if you're living in a home, that's more than 460. Um, <laughs> there he is. There's my boy. <laughs> when I was in Brooklyn, when I lived over in Brooklyn park and that guy would drive around in his little Porsche and his head was above his windshield as he's driving. <laughs> it was like a cartoon character. <laughs> I, I, I remember that. that. Uh, he was he was the he was Trump before Trump. I mean, Correct. he was the you know the guy Jesse, that you're like. Oh. Jesse, Jesse's almost anti-government though. He's almost like yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. Anyway, uh, anyway, so getting the wheels back on the bus. So you know, long story short, you know, anything that's over, I think it's four sixty or something like that. Um, it doesn't. There's no difference anyway between 
you know, homestead and uh, investment uh, property anyway. Encroachment. What's an encroachment? An encroachment is if something is going on to your property. So uh, a lot of times you'll see like landscaping, landscaping or fencing that it goes onto the property. Sometimes it's a shed or an outbuilding where they have, they put their property on yours. So that's an encroachment. It's on your, on your property and you have to deal with that. It's not necessarily that you have to move it, but you just have to be aware of it. So if you're a seller and you know of somebody encroaching on your property or you're encroaching on theirs, you have to disclose that. You know, it's interesting too, because I've seen, it, this has actually been a hot ticket for me the last couple of weeks for conversations where, you know, I had a guy up in Brainerd where they've owned this property for over 50 years, their family has, and the neighbor built the pickleball court. And the pickleball court is... 10 feet onto their property. And the old dad that lived next door, because these lots are really big and deep. Um, any of you that have gone around the backside of Gull Lake on the interlocking, you know, kind of area back there. And, and their argument is legit. The, the guy that's next door says, well, we've been taking mowing this and taking care of this for over 50 years. And it's ours. And the survey disagrees with both of them. And the survey obviously shows the pickleball court being over and their house is right on the, on the edge of this property. So back in the day, somebody wasn't paying attention with surveys, but now, now they're in a lawsuit over this because um, the people that own um, the land that has a pickleball court hanging over on it, they want them to move it. The people that own the pickleball court say, no way, that'll cost us too much money. We're not moving it. And so now they're literally heading off to the courtroom. And, and there's a legitimate argument there for both parties, because when you've used a piece of property contiguously, and it's not, there's easement law here too, but this is an easement law. This is where unobjectively you've used that land and nobody's objected to you using it and you've been allowed to use it. A lot of times the courts will favor the person that's been using it and, and they'll just, they'll reboundary, but then that person has to pay for new boundaries to be set or whatever it is, but they won't make them move it for sure. Well, it's called adverse possession is what yeah. people are, are, are going after and saying, Hey, we've, we've thought it was ours this whole time and we've been using it for that. That happened a lot. I mean, kind of originally, um, you know, like I've been farming 7,000 acres and yeah, I've got two acres a year, but I've been doing it this whole time. I thought it was mine. And then, yeah, you, you can take it or over. Or where they planted the wind block, right? Down the, the edge of the crop. And it's 10 feet onto somebody else's property because they, they didn't know, but they just wanted to keep it out of their, their crop lanes so that it didn't interfere with their crop yields. So they put the, the snow or the trees over 10 feet and all of a sudden you think you own to the trees. Well, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting because there's uh you know, some people say, Oh my gosh, if I had it for 15 years, it's mine. And there's so much more to it than, um, you know, just having mowing someone's lawn for 15 years. I remember when I moved into my house on acreage, the, the fencing seemed kind of weird because uh, I had a bunch of properties that backed up to mine. So I went and got a, a, a survey right away and they had the stakes all put in and, and just sent everyone the actual survey. And if they had a problem with it, they could certainly get a, another person to come in and survey it. But I was just basically letting them know that, hey, this is my land. And uh, so there was just no problems later on. There was a, I, I know a family that did a resort and they had where the, I, I, and I jokingly say this, the survey crew must have did the survey late on a Friday afternoon 
they were worried about getting home for the weekend and the, the boundaries were properly marked. And then they, what they did is what they call an as is survey where they'll come in and they'll mark the buildings as is on the plat. So that's exact. And yeah. so each family got their own little plat and a buildable area, they call it. So they put a box around each little cabin. So it was a shared area, but you could still build a deck. You could have your shed. You could do whatever you wanted within that area. And they mismarked several of the cabins and they were, they were guests. And so all of a sudden now one box crosses another box and the one family already has a deck there. And they said, well, we don't want you to build your deck into our, our box per se. And it's like, well, but on the way we bought it, these boxes don't touch. They, they're, they're, it's even to the lake. And the guy goes, yeah, but we just had a survey when we did our deck last year. And this is the way the boxes actually cross each other. And it was crazy. But but what ends up happening is at the end of the day, you just have to, you know, either get along and agree to fix it. Because see, the person that when you say, aha, I got you, you know, the guy that built the deck first, he should have notified his neighbor immediately that, oh, boy, you know, these boxes are not lined up. But he didn't. He built his deck and like ahead of him. So when the neighbor went to go build his deck and they did this, oh, you're infringing on my property now. Crap. And it was just just a jerk move. You know, what I mean, just trying to like get away with something. And how many times do you win when this situation happens, Chris? Very rarely, no, right? You don't. You don't. You don't. I think wins. the other thing is to let people know is that surveyors aren't always right either. So I think you got to. You know, I've challenged get... surveys many times. I've also I'm... seen where, no kidding, Chris, they claim that it's a misdemeanor. You can be arrested for moving a corner pin on a property. It's That's a, a, that's a, a crime. You cannot take a pin that's been set by a certified surveyor that puts that onto a plat. That can no longer be touched. Once that's in the ground and set, you cannot touch it. It was interesting. I heard of one on, on Prior Lake that they had a dispute about the line, and they're like, well, fine. Um, they didn't believe their surveyor, so they had their surveyor came. They lost another foot <laughs> after their surveyor came. You know, they were better off listening to the other surveyor. So it's kind of like, all right, well, and then the other person like, well, yeah, then I'm taking the foot. So kind of well, even a new construction, they roll the sod over and most people roll the sod a little bit past because mm -hmm. they don't want the weeds of the open lot to get onto their property. And then when the new guys come in, they set their sprinklers along the, the, the mold line and it, the, it's. It's. I do have the coolest music, just saying. Uh, should I sell now or wait? Until I, I, I feel like we're going off to war. I'm like, should we? Should I be putting on a kilt and a... Uh, Us and our rulers. Let's go. Uh, should I sell now or wait until next spring? I always tell people we know what's happening right now. We're getting a little more predictable, but um, we don't know what's going to happen in the spring. And so if the market is good and uh, you feel good about that price... I think you should uh, definitely do it. But if you are going to wait until next spring, I would 100% try to get some photos right now uh, and make sure that the leaves are picked up before those photos are taken. And hopefully you're going to do it in the next, I'm looking outside, hopefully in the next about week or two, because you're not going to have uh, those leaves anymore. So if people ask me, should I sell now or wait until next spring? I say, are you ready to, are you ready to gamble? because that's what it is. It's gambling. And I think we're going to be fine, uh, hopefully next spring, but uh, you never know. 
Yeah, traditionally spring, you know, when I say spring, I'm saying uh, March, April, May, you know, those are historically the hottest months. Um, We always tell everybody, hey, when you're sitting at that Super Bowl Sunday party, you should just be about ready to list because that's when the market starts getting hot from that point going forward. Um, By about the time you hit uh, Memorial Day um, and and 4th of July, your your spring season's way gone. Vacation, yep. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you don't get green grass until June. So that's why you want to be able to have some of those, those pictures. Uh, For sure. So. <laughs> Either I'm insane or you're, um, what? I don't know. I can't, I still try. Is she confused? Does she not know her formulas? <laughs> I know. That's that's your host there. I don't know. We gotta, we gotta uh, yeah, yeah. That person. Okay. Uh, so do you need to update your home to sell it? Um, I would say this. You know, your version of clean and another person's version of clean are always going to vary. So I always say bring it to a house cleaner's version of clean. Um, when it comes to updating, because, I mean, sometimes cleaning is all it needs. You know, clean carpet, shampoo, a few things. You know, uh, you're set. Updating now. Updating, I, I think about like the, that's a fancy word for remodeling, right? So when you update your kitchen, or you update your bathroom, or you update all the plumbing fixtures. Do you need to update? I think you need to go at least a little bit in the right direction to get people to visualize that this house isn't completely an older, unless unless it's a retro style and it's in perfect condition and it looks really cool and somebody might buy it because of that. I think that there's a a great opportunity for you to things as simple as hardware or new countertops, a couple appliances, new flooring, fresh paint, that kind of an update I recommend on almost every property I go to. Um, Because if it's gross, if it's gross to me, it's gross to everybody. And if I walk in there and that carpet's got tracks through it and the the walls have handprints on them um, and your windows are dirty, get your windows clean, get your floors updated, get your walls painted. um, And then, you know, but like update, do I need all brand new windows? I've seen people do this where they'll spend $45,000 on the big name brand here, Windows. And I don't know if you're gonna get 45 grand back unless you find an executive for that company that wants to pay that much for those windows. Windows are kind of like tires on a car. And if it suits the purpose, most people can live with whatever's on the car. They don't special order. Very few people special order. So be careful when you're when you're doing updates like that. There's that analogy. <laughs> He's good at it. I was gonna say, Andy, would you, if you were gonna sell your car, would you wash it or leave it uh, dirty? Um, yes, I would wash it. Okay. Just checking. So That's I think I would do that, that with it needs my to house. be washed because um, my truck is pretty, pretty tight. Oh, we have a game now, Andy. Look at this. We're, we're going okay. back to buy, flip, dump. So here's the rules. Yes. We have three property. You guys are going to go over each of the property. And at the end, you're going to say which one you're going to buy, which one you're going to flip, and which one you're going to dump. I got to get my... I gotta get my notes out here. Get ready. All right. Okay. So we got one in uh, Brooklyn Center, Crystal, and New Hope. First one will go right here. So let's read the. What is it? All right. Two eighty nine nine on in uh, Brooklyn Center. Now these are all active listings right now. So. This is real. Four bedroom, two bath, a one car garage built in 55. Uh, Andy, 
let's see the map on that. Andy, you familiar with this area in Brooklyn yep. Center? Yep. Yeah, okay. There we go. All right. Go back to that map and slow down. All right. Uh, the, the map, there you go. Yeah, so see, Brooke. Yep. He's got what they call a fast mouse. Um, yeah, in, in Brooklyn Center there, the, you're looking at the property that um, is, it looks like it's over by Brooklyn Boulevard there, if I'm guessing correctly, um, and south there. Um, yeah, that, that area, I just sold the property there last year for $249.9. Um, so, yeah, that area is aggressively going up in price um, because it's affordable um, and people are fighting for affordable properties. That, so that market's artificially... Um, in my opinion, inflated. Um, that area there, though, that house in the foreclosure crisis would have sold for sixty nine thousand. Wow. Yeah. So it's, I mean, that's up two hundred thousand. You know, now it's it's because the payment's affordable, though. You know, you look at that payment; it's about a thousand bucks a month plus your tax and you know and insurance. So it's you know having that uh, having that fourth bath fourth bedroom and a second bath. And being only a one-car garage, I am I'm leaning towards a rental on this one because you're going to be able to get more uh, money with the more uh, bedrooms in the bath. And the garage usually doesn't hurt you. Uh, sometimes it will, but being attached, you, people might justify it. Hey, one car in, we'll leave the other one out. Yep. Should we look at photos? Yeah, if you, please do. Yeah, rifle through it. Cute house, nice house. Yeah. I like this era of home though. The nice big overhangs and the all wood floors to the whole main level. You know, usually these houses, like I'm guessing, the windows are all original. You have the storm window on the outside. You can see the window on the window. So Kitchen was updated. Definitely was a remodel. Updated. Yep. This is. I think this is what you call Andy. One of those remodels that. Um, you were talking about you don't have to go the whole way because if you did, you'd go stainless and uh, you know you'd go with stainless steel appliances. Yeah, and that's painted tile. You can I could I would guess that to be painted. Yeah. Yeah. And granite countertops. That's so, yeah, that right there, Chris. That room right there is a flex yep. room. Um, the one with the with the patio door anyway. Was yeah. a flex room, and that is a uh, back in the day, these two three bedrooms. And what would happen is that room was a formal dining room, an office, or a bedroom. They would just shut the door going into the kitchen, and uh, that that's a very common floor plan in Brooklyn Center Crystal. Uh, back in the day, I don't know if any of you guys remember Oren Thompson, but Oren Thompson built most of Brooklyn Center, Brooklyn, you know, Crystal, New Hope, right. I guess we're moving to the next, Mister Fastmouse. There, holy moly! I don't know what's happening. Let's just let's just. I, know, I don't know if he's hearing us. Are you listening? Hearing us there? I think he. That's his way of saying he's bored with us when he moves the pictures. <laughs> no, he won't talk to us. Listen here, old man. You keep moving. Hi, uh, Crystal. Crystal home. What's the the specs? It's pronounced Crystal. Crystal. There you go. <coughs> it's like savage. Everyone's over there. Crystal. Everyone says it's savage, and we it's it's savage. Savage, yeah. yeah. So, all okay. right. So this one's this one's in Crystal. Andy's more familiar with these areas. It must have a, a detached garage, I would think. Uh, looking yeah, at that, but three, lot. three bedroom, one bath. But look at the price points: two sixty nine. 
So it's twenty thousand dollars less. What's that? Super affordable, yeah. Yeah. Let's look through the pictures on that one, Nick. Let's see what that one looks like inside. Okay. Usually the yeah. front scoops on these houses need to be replaced, so that's that's pretty decent. Looks like a corner lot. Yeah. That's a weird yeah, fence. Decent, decent yard. Yeah. Not as not as updated, but uh nice. Yeah, probably updated in the sixties or seventies, yeah. Gosh, you could do so much with just doors. You have new doors put on there, they would look fantastic. Yeah. And they're oh, not yeah. that much money. Under a thousand bucks, you'd have all new doors on there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice floors, all repainted. Painted all the trim in that room. Yeah. Makes a big difference, doesn't it? Makes us look looks so much nice. bigger. Yeah, uh, the contrast on the colors looks really nice on that house. Yeah. The funny thing is, though, like when these guys finish these floors, they don't finish them down low enough to where they get the grease out of the floors. You see that? Like what I'm talking about up the middle of the floor there? Yeah. Um, and then they just finish them over the top. They lightly sand them versus actually refinish them. Um, I noticed yep. in that last photo, too, you can see where dad's chair was, you know, in the middle of the. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and then you can see where they put the new boards in. Yeah, I would have, I would have probably did a little darker of a stain on there and uh, reworked that. But okay, no, that's okay. All good. Yep. I want to know where that garage was, but yeah, that was a mystery, wasn't it? Yeah. Let's see if we can find the garage. Go backwards. Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah, it's on the side load in the back. Well, there it is. Interesting. There it is. Privacy fence. On the, on the other side of these, this interesting fence here. There it is. That looks like me part. trying to wear a baseball hat with a hat too small. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think the other thing, though, is that there's definitely room to be able to add on to that garage or make a bigger garage. So that's, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. All right. What's our last one? Much more expensive. It looks like $331,000. And this is uh, in in New Hope, so we got New Hope, Crystal, and Crystal, and Brooklyn Center. It must be close to uh, Golden Valley because that's Golden Valley prices. Really? Okay. Let's see pictures. Picture, picture. You see it? It's right here on the map. Yeah, way on. Yeah, closer to one sixty nine. Yeah. That's Crystal, isn't it? Yeah. Well, no, it's New Hope. Zoom in on that. I, I hate to argue, but I want to argue. He wants to argue. I want to see the map up close. See the okay. Off of Boone and Bass Lake. North of Bass Lake. Yeah, that's actually a good little, nice little location. It is a cute little pocket over there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Big Rambler attached garage. Oh, we got furniture. Always feels better. Carpet over top of those beautiful wood floors. Yeah, exactly. There's a, a, a king-size bed with a bedroom next to it. Yeah, window inserts. You can see they, <laughs> somebody replaced windows. Yeah, that's nice. Kitchen, you think that's granite with the little uh, it Looks boy, like it. It does, it yeah. Be. They must have a garbage can or something they put there, huh? What do you guys think about this ending piece? Do you get rid of that? They have it across the way too, like a little matching one. But uh, I, 
I think that's just having a, a big slab that they threw on top of it to try to make it look decent. But yeah, I don't, I don't like that at all. Actually, what, what one size fits most. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I definitely went to taking a picture from. I, I was thing. guessing that they had a uh, like a garbage can or something they put there. Yeah, but come on. Or maybe, well, they have the dishwasher. A lot of times, these older houses don't have dishwashers. Yeah, a lot of times don't get that microwave over there either. So yeah, brand new carpet. This is right after they moved out. Yeah, because they just uh, they did. Did this one have the furniture in it before? Yeah. See, now I'm confused. So you start wondering. Okay. Oh, updated bathroom, yeah. fancy toilet. That's that Toto, the the one that uh, sends you off having a nice day after it washes you. Yep, that's the five minute toilet. Yep. Ooh, that grass looks a little mobile. Are you seeing more and more of those toilets, by the way, Andy? Yeah. I am too. People like their toilets. Yeah. Do you know it's a, a law in Italy that you have to have a, a bit, a bit, a bit, a day, you know? a day. Yeah, in every bathroom? You have to? Yeah. Because wow. they don't want the, the paper or they want you to waste all that water. I think it's now became yeah, eco friendly for the, the paper. And they just, they like to be clean, I guess. They say everyone else is dirty. They don't use it. Huh. See, so Brooklyn's uh, New Hope is is clean, clean place. See, translates. Yeah. They just got bought two big countertops and just didn't cut them. I, I got the other side. The other one's got a hangover too. You got two matching yeah. garbage cans, Andy. I, I don't know why they have, maybe they have, that's where they put their extra chairs or something. I don't know. They just had this pieces. Oh, I got it. Them. Recycling on the one, garbage on the other. <laughs> awesome. But if that's going to be the case, then go buy a couple of those stainless steel garbage cans and put them there so you understand what the hell it is. Yeah, stage that part. Yeah, Look how much time you and I just spent on it, you know? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, maybe you should have taken those carpets out and redone those. So, all right. So we've got we've got sixty uh, first Avenue, which is two eighty nine nine, four bedroom, two bath with a one car garage. So everything's a one stall garage. It looks like on all of them. So our price points are two sixty nine, two eighty nine, and three thirty. All right, I'm going to. So what is it? Uh, buy, flip, dump. Um, I'm going to just say your um, buy first, then Andy does his buy. My buy is my buy is going to be the two sixty nine. I'm going to buy the two sixty nine or on Idaho Avenue in uh, Crystal. And your reasoning? And my reasoning is is because number one, it's the price. Uh, on that, I think I can do some things to it that uh, would, you know, as I as I grow into it, add another bathroom, um, expand the garage if I want to. But I'm just getting in at a at a decent price. Andy, um, the now from what perspective are we buying it for our own personal use? Yeah, buying it, or you want to buy it then rent it out. Okay. Either. 
Um, well, to, to rent it out, I would do Brooklyn Center, but the uh, or, or Crystal, but to buy to live in, I like New Hope. I like that location. I like the few of the extra features that are in there from a consumer's perspective. Um, so you're buying I, New Hope? Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind the. Um, I like four bedrooms because you can have an office, a couple of kids' bedrooms. You know, the square footage was nice. I'm not a fan of one car garage, but I do like attached garages too. Um, and I think that the area easily will justify um, an extra, you know, 40,000, 50,000. Okay. Andy, which one are you renting or flipping? Um, the one that I would flip would be Crystal because I think I could make some money on it. I think that market, that's a little under. Price, like Chris was saying, I think you could. I think I could flip it, figure out a way to finish that basement, um, or a couple of rooms and a bathroom down there, and increase the bedroom bathroom count, and maybe make a little money on it. Chris, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip uh, the one Andy's buying, uh, the the New Hope one, because I do like uh, the location, and I think I can get that for a lower price because they just. To, to me, that house, I mean, those countertops just throw you off. I think I can make those wood floors all wood rather than uh, that carpet on there. And when you have an area, you can do whatever you got to do to make it happen. So I think I'm guessing that one was a flip anyway. That to me, look, that screamed flip. Granite countertops and the wood, you know, the new carpet and the half ass flip. Half ass flip, yeah. No, no. So I think it, they, it, when you have a decent area like that, and obviously I'd, I'd have to dive into the what's a, what's immediately around it, but I just think that's a, a sweet little spot. I mean, looks like it's private. It's um, kind of by itself. It's right off of uh, the highway there, uh, but not super close. Yeah, I pull in there a little more. Yep. So you're not quite on uh, that little lake, but I mean, when you're by that, it just it gives the neighborhood a little contour, something a little different. Yeah, so Andy, you know this area pretty well. What's the big difference in this little square here with our houses in it? Well, um, Brooklyn Center, that area has has had its challenges recently. Um, you know, there there's a little more crime. There's a little more um, of everything going on over there. I'm not a I'm not in love with that area like I used to be. I used to say it was one of the best kept secrets in the Twin Cities of Brooklyn Center. Um, I'm not. I'm not a fan. To be honest with you, like when you zoom in on it, there's a there's a cross street there, um, 63rd, and that that area there, like on the corner there, there's some big retail. They've had some problems there. That's just up the road from. Um, that's just up the road from like Brooklyn, uh, the old uh, Brookdale, and so there's. I mean, you know, it's not bad, um, but I just I just sold a house over there, um, on Admiral, which is south of there last year sold it really fast really nice family there's a nice big park as you can see there um the schools are are uh, okay they're they're not super exciting but they're okay um but it's close to downtown if you're a commuter so i'm just you know when you force me by in in game rules to make a decision i would skip this one right now i think that neighborhood dump, will come back. that i would dump that yes I, I i'm not as interested in brooklyn center right now as i used to be I'm more interested in New Hope and Crystal Second. Yeah, I would so jump. that big of a difference in just this little area, huh? 
Um, well, between your two on the right side, there's been a couple shootings in the last six months. Um, and so unless you like that kind of stuff, um, I'm not a fan of it. Um, there's a huge difference. <laughs> that was very, a couple miles. Not, not even, I mean, it's not a bad spot. It's, it's not a bad, good, might be good for Chris, not me. We, <laughs> I have, I have, I'm ready. Yeah. I bet you are. With your, what do you have? An electric gun? You're out there with your Buck Rogers gun. I have a a big lumen flashlight that I blind you with. So that's actually Is that you, Chris. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, Andy's dumping that one. Which one are you dumping? I'm with him. I'm dumping. So I think we just we just flip flopped on the the buy and flip one. That's all. And we yeah. agreed we agreed on that, and yeah. So cool. Beautiful. Let's get one more thing in here. Oh geez, there's more. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're only, our batteries are only so charged there. Yeah, exactly. What are selling expenses to sell a home? Oh, selling expenses. Yes. Okay. So if you have a realtor, there's realtor costs. It's a brokerage fee. Uh, I would say if uh, kind of uh, what you've heard, anywhere from four and a half to 7% that, uh, that you could pay uh, to sell your place. There's also a thing called state deed tax, uh, depending on what county you're in. Uh, it's basically $3.30 per $1,000 of sale price. So if it's a $100,000 price, it's $330 the state gets. You have to update your abstract. Uh, there's some recording fees and uh, well and conservation stuff. But I always tell people, if you're around $300,000, I always say to add on another half percent. Um, it's usually kind of figures in to be about right. Um and the higher you go, the less the less that becomes. But I always tell people that figure about a half percent, you're going to be pretty dang close. Right. Above right. and beyond what commission you're paying. Yeah. Andy, there's also fees. Uh, there's administrative fees that are that get charged. You know that uh, that um, all companies do. Do you want to talk about that or? Yeah, I can. The, uh, you know, so every brokerage is a little bit different. Um, some brokerages are going to have, you know, they charge a higher fee um, on the commission rate and then they don't have or they have fewer admin fees. Some companies have lower commission rates and they have high admin fees. Um, and then what, what really is an admin fee? So like you look at companies that are out there, some companies that are are desk rent based you know where the agent keeps all of the commission i think this is important for you as a as a client to ask these questions like how does your commission get broken down does your broker keep half your commission um because if that's the case that's why they have to charge you seven percent or six percent or whatever the number is because the broker won't allow them to sell it for less you know you get into an independent brokerage where they can basically set their own rates um they may have that and then they pay their team individually so they may have an admin rate um, or an admin fee that literally is for putting everything together, doing all the paperwork, putting everything online, um, you know, and, and the broker fees are very common right now. And I've seen broker fees go from anywhere from 
uh, you know, as little as $399, all the way up to $1,799. So um, they're across the board. Can't hear you, Nick. Remember that we stream on every podcast platform, iTunes, Spotify, any other streaming platforms you use to listen to podcasts. Full video version is always on our Facebook. We also post three clips a week, short, digestible content. Leave us a like, leave us a review, and send us in questions if you want us to talk about certain topics. Andy, have a wonderful day. Travel safe, Nick. Yeah, Brazil. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.